Welcome to Ask Dr. Julie Hanks, a safe place for healing conversations that educate and empower you to prioritize your dreams, revolutionize your family, and personalize your faith. I'm your host, Dr. Julie Hanks, a psychotherapist and coach offering online courses and programs to help women all over the world heal themselves and their relationships. Join me here every week as I coach a listener through a specific challenge and empower them with tools to find healing. Hello, welcome friends. I am so excited to be joined shortly by Dr. Jen Douglas. And her handle on Instagram is at Dr. Jen Official. So go follow her right now while we're waiting for her to uh, to request to join. Um, oh, here she is. Yay. We did it. Hello. Hello. We did it. Again. We get, get this. I know situated here i am How good. i'm so you? proud of us for making this work with our busy schedules i'm very impressed we did it we did it <laughs> <laughs> woo-hoo, woo-hoo. well i was just about to introduce you and kind of give a little bit of your bio so um, i'll do that and you can correct yeah. me if i miss anything so this is dr jen douglas and she is a clinical assistant professor of psychiatry and behavioral science at stanford university school of medicine um, and you've been in the mental health field since yes. 2008, yes. right? <laughs> and you have your yes. PhD in clinical psychology. <laughs> okay. And Dr. Jen is a specialist yes. in perfectionism. So uh, a lot of my followers, and including myself, can relate to perfectionism. So, so talk to me about the roots of perfectionism. How... <laughs> What creates perfection? <laughs> so there are a few. <laughs> it, I go into a lot more depth yes. in my course. It could take, you know, the entire hour if, if we wanted to discuss all the roots. But, but I'll talk about two basic roots. So one is that we okay. can become perfectionists because we have survived a fair amount of chaos or difficulty or trauma in our lives. So there's an attempt to control. Mm-hmm. There's an attempt to please everyone in order to not rock the boat. Um, there's an attempt to sort of think our way past any issue that could come along to protect ourselves. So that is one way. Um, Mm. And another is sort of this curse of incredibly impossibly high expectations. So if one starts out, you know, with the expectation that they are the perfect child or they're the easy, you know, kid or, you know, whatnot, um, then they often never get the opportunity to, be imperfect, to fail, to try something that they don't end up good at, or try something that they don't end up good at and end up loving doing for the rest of their lives. And so it's that lack of um, life experiences that leads them to understand that there is unconditional love out there for them. And they don't have to be perfect in order to deserve Mm. to move through the world. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a bit challenging because they can come from such disparate places, but you, you end up in the same spot behaviorally. Yeah, so kind of yes. what I'm hearing is one comes out of chaos yes. and one comes out of rigidity, but you kind of end up in the same yes. with the yes. same pattern, same right? coping mechanism for two different problems. Okay, and really where we want to meet is in the middle. Where yeah, we have a lot of love and acceptance for ourselves and people around us, and we know that if a wave hits us and things get hard, that we'll be able to handle it without rigidity, with flexibility and self compassion. Love it, love it. Okay. So today I wanted to specifically talk about seeking other people's approval (laughs) and how to stop seeking other people's approval. So how is approval seeking related to 
I'm so glad. Uh, you asked. And I love this topic. When you emailed, I almost jumped out of my chair. I was so excited. So, <laughs> yeah. So, as perfectionists, we are constantly looking for signs that we are doing the thing perfectly, that we are okay. And many perfectionists actually really notice a lot of difficulty in their lives when they leave areas where they can get that external validation and that external affirmation that they are doing perfectly. So I see a lot of mm -hmm. students at Stanford and then they graduate and then, oh my gosh, all of a sudden I'm not getting a grade. How do I know I'm doing it right when you're out of the real world and you don't get the yeah. A that you've been getting yeah. since you were five years old. And so when we look into pleasing others, it's looking again for that external validation, that stamp of approval that can tell us, hey, I'm okay, but it's not coming from inside of us. So it doesn't really hit it. We don't feel it in our bones. It's externally reliant, mm -hmm. and whenever we're relying on external validation, we're going to have to continue to seek external validation because it never lasts. <laughs> You're smiling. <laughs> why? Why is that? Why can't? Why can't we just hold on to that? Right. Um, okay. So, so we're seeking other people's validation in order to. Yes. Try to accept ourselves yes, and see exactly. ourselves. If that person thinks I'm perfect, I must be good. I must be okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Perfect. And perfect equals, equals good. good. Right? Imperfect. Imperfect and equals, equals bad. Totally unacceptable. In, in shame, guilt. You know, all of the negative emotions come up in that case. Okay. Okay. So seeking other people's approval is a huge part of perfectionism it sounds like like from from your research and what you've what you studied so how in your clinical practice how does this approval seeking um like how do you see that yes, clinically you in your asking, practice I, I wish we had more research money to cover all this stuff but somehow it's weird things that primarily affect women don't get funded that well odd how that happens um <laughs> i know so <laughs> So it can come up in a myriad of ways. You know, people walk into my door or sign up for my course and they are the super high achievers at work. They're the people who everyone goes to for help. They're in the office until seven o'clock at night. You email them at nine, they email you back at 9.04. That's how it can show up, looking for constant sort of um, approval and acceptance by people who we work with, especially higher ups. In our personal lives, okay. it can look like being the primary person responsible for the household, taking on primary child care responsibilities and making sure that the other person never has to deal with the messy house, the kid who's crying, you know, figuring out what's for dinner. We take care of all the hard mm. stuff and kind of present the perfect life on the silver platter, hoping we get the gold star for doing so. And we can mm. see it more subtly in things like friendships or dating where the other person may have preferences that might be inconvenient for us or don't align, but we don't assertively communicate that we would like things to be different, that actually this would work better for us. Actually, we had Thai food yesterday. We don't want to go to Thai tonight. It can be very, very small, insidious ways yeah. that it sneaks into our relationships, but those patterns grow. And then people often walk into my office and it's 10 years later, 20 years later, and they say, oh, I've, I've been focusing so much on pleasing others. I have no idea who I am. That is my experience, too, with, with clients. <laughs> if I had a dollar for every woman, it's like, I have no idea what I want. I, I, yeah. I can <laughs> yeah. think about that because like, I've been taking care of, yes. of other people's yes. needs. Yeah. It's interesting you bring up kind of yes. the over-functioning at home. 
as as a uh, form of perfectionism because I think a lot of women just think, well, no, I'm yes. just that's my job yes. and I'm just doing a good job. So what's the difference between just like I'm doing a good job in my sphere that I'm yes. you know committed to at this point? Yeah. Versus like perfectionism. Great, great question. So everyone's level of doing a good job, if if it's really about what matters to them, is going to look different. So you know, I have a dear friend and she makes meals for her family from scratch every single night. That's very important to her. I couldn't do that if you paid me a million dollars a month. It just wouldn't happen. I'm not good at it. And yeah. my husband and kid, that's not important to them either. So it doesn't matter to our family. Yeah. So it's okay. However, if my perfectionism was still kicking and active and alive and well, I would feel bad about that, that I didn't have dinner from scratch on the table every single evening because I would see people on Instagram mm -hmm. who did that or my friend from high school on Facebook does that or I have this idea of, oh, I should be doing that. When, when we're mm -hmm. perfectionists, everything has to be perfect and at 110% all the time, you can't pick and choose. Like, I do not, I, I really do not cook, <laughs> but I am... I, yeah, yeah, I don't so either. <laughs> Love it. Um, but, but it is incredibly important to me that I pick up my daughter at school every day. We have kind of our girl time where I'm super connected with her and we do that. And if I let that go, then I would feel bad because that's my value. And that's what's important to me and what is important mm. to her. Okay. So the difference is where is the source of that expectation? Is it your personal value and the values of your family? Or is it externally? Um, are you getting external cues that somehow you should be different instead of it just flowing from what you care about, what your Absolutely. talents are? What and, your and, are? and those okay. external, one of the problems with the yeah. external expectations is that they're never ending. Yeah, right. And they're always shifting. Right? <laughs> like it's always changing. How, yes. You know, what the perfect house looks like. Yeah. It's like the color schemes change and the, <laughs> and the what you're supposed yes. to eat changes. Like every five years, you yes. shouldn't have this. Now you should have this. And yeah. Yeah. It's moving target. Moving target. Okay. Um, what, what does it look like when women in your practice stop? seeking other people's approval like why would you do it? why should people <laughs> yes. like, what's the reward yeah what's the reward for working on this and and really Absolutely. trying to let go of approval it, it's sort of this um perfectionism as this huge double-edged sword because it's a reassurance seeking behavior so we're doing it because we want to feel reassured we want to feel like we are we're okay we want to feel loved we want to feel successful if we're working etc but what it does is it actually keeps us in a very small, narrow idea of what our life is and what it could be. So I've mm. had, I, I'm thinking of one woman in particular. She was so rooted in her perfectionism at work, and I had to have her build in boundaries because she was answering emails at literally 1 o'clock in the morning. And, all this, and she was trying to go for this promotion. She was going for this promotion for three years when she met me. She still hadn't gotten it. We worked together for something like three or four months, and she was promoted. Because she put in boundaries, she started focusing on what actually mattered at work and not getting dragged into all these side projects and all these helping people without credit. And then she launched and then she got poached to an even better company, an even better company. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So I see it at work all the time where women suddenly feel like, oh, I can say this 
idea in a meeting, even if it's imperfect, even if I'm not 100% sure everyone's going to love it. And then that's rewarded. Um, mm -hmm. It gets rewarded in men all the time. <laughs> but then we get to get rewarded too. <laughs> and then you look at it in one's personal life. And when we start to recalibrate away from the external expectations and kind of, you know, dotting the I's and crossing the T's and what other people want, suddenly there's this huge amount of time and energy we have back. We get to focus on what we want to do. We get to discover. Often people are discovering who they are maybe for the first time in their adulthood. And I've seen women yeah. literally come alive. And there's, there's a different type of happiness when it's not constantly rushing to some finish line, like you said, that keeps moving every five minutes or five years or whenever. Right. Um, but they feel settled and they feel like they can finally rest and be satisfied with what they have. Mm. So kind of what I'm hearing is yes. this, like a sense of peace, internal peace, and then an expansion yes. of possibilities. Beautifully like, put. Is that kind of Beautifully what, okay, okay, so like the settled inside, but then externally, there's all of these yes. other possibilities to explore because you're not being um, yes. confined by other people's expectations. Exactly. exactly. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Okay. Um, well, what would you say to someone who said, you know, my perfectionism is what makes me mm -hmm. exceptional and good. If I let go of my perfectionism, I'm going to be a slacker. I'm going to be, I'm, you know, yeah. not going to get the promotion. I'm not going to get the raise. Yes. I'm going to lose my job. You know, like yes, this is what this. keeps me motivated. <laughs> what, how would you? Yes. Yeah, I've had this conversation a couple hundred times. Fine. So, so <laughs> yeah. perfectionists are masters in all or nothing thinking, if anyone's ever studied cognitive distortions and cognitive behavioral therapy. So we're either perfect or we are, you know, in a gutter with no future and nothing's going to happen. No one ever is going to love us again. It's this very binary thinking, all or nothing thinking. Mm -hmm. And so when you actually look at freeing a perfectionist from their rigid tendencies, you're not going from here to, okay, this person's going to sit on the couch and they're never going to do anything with their lives ever again. We're talking about moving someone from here to maybe here. Like, <laughs> I don't think I've ever had a perfectionist work with me or take my course or do anything where they became average. Like, that's not really in our DNA if we're working yeah. through it. Um, but what it looks like is when you move from here to here, there's an immense amount of space there where they're spinning their wheels in ways that aren't effective for them. But the thing that really brings mm. my heart and why I spend so much time talking about this is, like you said, this fear of, well, if I'm not perfect, then what's special about me? How am I going to go through the world and be successful? And that fear keeps people so closed off from all of the good things that are coming their way. Whereas if they let go a little bit, then they're able to learn that they don't have to be perfect to have all those things and they will get the promotion mm. and their husband will love them just as much and their friends will show up for them it's it's all there but there's not enough trust that it's going to be there without that rigidity and that perfectionistic behavior yeah having, yes. having to earn so we're kind of talking about perfectionists yeah. in like this overachieving but it seems like in my experience there's also on it yeah the other end of the continuum, like people who are perfectionists, yes. and so they stop trying because they yes. are so afraid of failure. 
Is that like a different type of perfectionism? The, the roots are the same and then how it comes out, you know, can be different. And those can both be present in the same person. So there might be someone who's like main mm. partner at their law firm, but you come home and you can't see the floor of their home because it's so messy, but they feel so paralyzed with the idea that, oh, if I start cleaning, I have to do it perfectly and I don't have 20 hours to clean, then it remains mm. messy because it's overwhelming to get started. Okay. So yeah, that can be separately. in the same person or you could have Absolutely. Absolutely. In separate people. Okay. Yeah. So certain areas of life you can overachieve mm -hmm. or overcompensate and kind of underachieve in other areas, but it's all related yes, to perfectionism. And I, and I would even but, say for anyone who's struggling with this, because underachievement can sound like this horrible thing, right? That you know, what, what I often call it is, you know, anxiety paralysis or analysis paralysis where, you know, and I used to do yeah. this. I remember when, when my daughter first came along, I would look at baby gear and I'd be like on my 400th review of the car seat or whatever and just losing hours and hours and hours to this, but without being able to make or execute a decision. And so that's what we often see yeah. where somebody wants to go back to school or they want to get the job or they want to move or they want to clean up their house. But it's so terrifying to have to do it perfectly that they're stuck. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that so yeah. often in my practice as well. Um, something that, that often helps my clients is like they're so focused yes. on like I don't want to yes. do it wrong. I want to make the right decision, not the wrong. And I'm like, no right. <laughs> there is no right or wrong. It's just make a decision and see if you like the mm -hmm. result and then make another mm -hmm. decision. Right. <laughs> But it's, it's that, like, I don't want to make the yeah. wrong, like, there's a right and a wrong, and I don't want to make the wrong, so I'm not going to do yeah. any, I'm not going to yes. make a decision. I'm not going to move forward. So I'm like, there's no, I mean, hurting someone who's, who's yes. innocent, that. like, that's wrong. But other, <laughs> you know, there's not a lot of, like, moral, you know, yes. issues. It's just more preferences. And so kind of getting it out of that, it's the black and white yes. thinking that you referenced earlier, right? It's just the good and the bad. I don't want to make the wrong decision yes. oh by God. the wrong when they're all kind of the same. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like, well, what if there isn't yes. a wrong one? It's just a choice, you know? Yeah, I love it. I love it. So I have a couple of phrases uh, for that I recommend for yeah. recovering perfectionists. One of Ooh. them is um, anything oh. worth doing is well, worth doing that. poorly. <laughs> And then um, another one of my favorites is, is more often than not. So more often than not, Ooh, I'm a patient parent. More often boy. than not, I get things done on, on deadline. More often than not, right? So I have kind of these yep. phrases that I've learned through personal experience and professional experience. So do you have any kind of go-to uh, <laughs> phrases for perfectionists, like mantras that, that absolutely practice? Absolutely. So my favorite, and if anyone who works who's worked with me is watching, they're going to be like, oh, nails in the chalkboard. I've heard this so many times. <laughs> but I talk a lot about batting practice. So especially when it comes to relationships and things like that, you know, if I want to date and find a partner, if I want to you know, raise my child in a way that I'm really proud of, you know, if I want to establish this friendship, we don't have to do it just right. But we have to bat. We have to go up to bat and practice because if we don't, then at that really critical moment when our child really needs us or we finally meet the right person, you know, we swipe right on the right person on the dating app or what have you, 
we're not going to be practiced and how we want to really behave in the world. So we need batting practice after batting practice after batting practice. Because so many of my clients, especially when they're in the dating phase, they'll say, oh, well, you know, is this the right guy or is this the wrong guy? Is this the wrong guy? I'm like, it doesn't matter. You, it doesn't yeah, matter. you've got to practice, you've got to practice leveling up. <laughs> and even if this isn't the one you needed that level up, you've got to have that experience. If you have that opportunity, yeah, use it. I love that. Go to bat. Yeah, go to bat. Like, <laughs> batting practice. I, I love that. Okay, are you okay, Dr. Jen, if we take a few uh, questions from people who are watching? So if you have questions about perfectionism and approval seeking, drop them in the comments or the, or the Q&A. Okay, what would you suggest for someone who struggles with perfectionism with size and weight? I gain a pound oh, and I won't thank you rest so much for asking this. I actually went to graduate school to help treat eating disorders and body image. And that's what eventually led me into perfectionism because they're so incredibly related. So thank you for asking for that question. So we know that weight is not actually something that stays incredibly stable. Trying to get one's weight to be an exact number on the scales, like trying to keep one's heart rate at the exact same number, it's not actually possible. Mm -hmm. um, especially women, we go up and down about two pounds on either side of our true weight day by day, week by week, based on where we are in their cycle, water retention, all these different things. Um, but really, yeah. it's sort of behind what the desire to control one's weight is about. There's a fear that if I gain a pound or gain five pounds or gain 15 pounds, that I'm going to be less accepted or loved by the people in my life. Then that's the thing that we want to challenge and look at and say, hey, I need to get to the point in my relationships where I don't feel like a little bit of weight change is going to affect my value as a person. Now, this is where it gets hard. Mm -hmm. And this person's probably not going to like me very much. And that's okay. <laughs> but for perfectionists, it's not just about talking ourselves out of it. We have to actually do it. We have to actually live it. So we have to show up imperfectly and then see our people stay in our lives, see ourselves being loved and accepted despite our imperfections. That's what our brain finally starts to learn. Um, and for those, I'm so mm -hmm. biased now as a mom, I talk about motherhood all the time, but you know, so often with perfectionists as mothers, we tell our kids, oh, you don't have to be perfect. Oh, what matters is having fun. What matters is trying. But then if they see us with that level of rigidity, they see right through us. And so, so if that person oh, yeah. is a parent, and I'm sure you, you know, if you are, you are probably trying to raise your child with a lot of body self-love and self-acceptance. Showing that to ourselves teaches them so much more than anything that we could say with our words. Mm, mm. Yeah. That's so true. So true. Okay, here's another question. Is there a difference between high standards and yes, perfectionism? Yes, that's such a good question. So there is absolutely nothing wrong with high standards. Um, high standards are absolutely fine. Where it tips into perfectionism is when there are high standards across the board, no matter what it is. So if I have high standards about... Um, you know, like if I tonight, if I was trying to make dinner from scratch, hang out with my kid, you know, and have quality time, clean my car, vacuum the living room and get all my notes done from this week, those would be impossibly high standards. They would also be more in the perfectionism, tipping into the perfectionism range if I would feel guilty or like a bad person if I didn't do it to that standard every single mm -hmm. time. So your worth, yes. if you attach your worth to the... Yes performance and if it's of whatever so you know i i would feel bad and guilty mm -hmm. and i would i would feel like 
not as good a person if I came to my therapy appointments and didn't remember anything about my clients or wasn't empathetic to them. Like that would be a problem. It is a good thing that I have high standards for myself then. If I believe in that and I have to make, you know, cupcakes from scratch for this, you know, bake sale and this other thing and change the oil on my car and blah, 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 all at once, all perfectly, then we're running out of steam no matter what. We won't be able to do it. Got it. Okay. Okay. Here's another one. How do you overcome the conditioned guilt that comes with failure once you find the courage to leave your perfectionist <laughs> comfort zone? So like, how do you deal with the guilt of actually failing? Yes. You like oh, that perfectionism? That's such a great question. That's such a, this person is well on their way. It makes me really happy. So when it comes up, I, I was talking to somebody about this earlier today. So tomorrow's my day off. And I have so many notes to write, like so much paperwork to do. <laughs> and I was talking to my husband about, do I want to go on a hike? I want to go on this hike to this waterfall. My kid's not old enough. So do I want to go on this hike on my day off? Or should I stay home and, and deal with this pile of paperwork that I do feel bad about? And I'm going to go on the hike. Spoiler alert. And I know I'm going to feel some guilt going on that hike and ignoring this big pile of paperwork. And I'm going to do it anyway and live my life anyway, even if that little bit of guilt is going to be there. Now, if this was me five years ago, I would be so paralyzed by the guilt, I would never go on the hike. I would go and like be in my room typing all day. And so a little bit of guilt and a little bit of discomfort is normal when we're overcoming something that we don't have experience with and that causes anxiety. Just because we have that tinge of guilt doesn't mm. make it wrong. Like that person beautifully said, that is their conditioning. That's not their truth. Yeah, that's, that's great. so great. What a good question and a great answer. I love answer. your followers. They're wonderful. <laughs> I know. They, they are. Um, let's see here. There are oh, any man. other questions? How do, you, how do you become better at making oh, decisions? Wonderful. Okay, so um, Dr. Julie, so kindly, you mentioned like just make a decision as, as part of how you work in treatment. So I'm, I'm, I'm so hard to work with, I'm sure. So I actually will sometimes purposefully have people make the wrong decisions. <laughs> so they'll be paralyzed by something yep. like, oh my gosh, I, you know, I've been trying to pick a toaster. I'm trying to, you know, do whatever. And I'll be like, okay, you need to go with the third one. I won't actually say that to them. But, you know, the idea is that we, we need to try and make decisions quickly in order to see that even if the thing that comes from that decision isn't perfect, we are going to be okay. Mm. Yeah. It's kind of like exposure, exposure therapy, exposure exactly to imperfection therapy, right? Yeah. Get the lowest rated toaster <laughs> and see what happens. Exactly. And you're going to be okay. So, yeah, don't do this with like buying a house or where you go to college. But if you're on page three of the toasters or, yeah. you know, you're debating making sugar cookies or chocolate chip cookies for the bake sale, flip a coin and, and your brain then learns that you don't have to give all of your energy to these smaller decisions. Yeah. Great question. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Let's take one more. I, I feel one of the reasons I'm conflict avoidant is because I fear <laughs> it reveals my imperfections. Is yes. there a way to heal Ugh. this? So I know this might sound a little broken record E, but it's this similar exposure that we're talking about where we have to learn that we can have conflict and still be accepted. Now, part of the reason, like we were talking about at the very beginning of this conversation, part of the reason we can develop perfectionism can be for from our past. And so we may have been in a past situation where we couldn't be assertive about our needs. We couldn't communicate assertively. 
part of what our brain needs to learn is that we are now in a safe space to assert our needs and that it's okay. And so that conflict avoidance might have been helpful in the past. The question is, is it actually serving the person currently or is that perfectionism a holdover from an old coping mechanism? Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's a great question to ask. Um, okay, Dr. Jen, how oh, yeah. can people find you and learn more about yes. healing okay, from so perfectionism? I'm at Dr. Jen Official here on Instagram. Uh, you can find my website, drjenniferdouglas.com. I periodically open my course because if it was open all the time, I'd be constantly checking it. And so I allow that to not happen, not let my perfectionism get the best of me. Uh, but I love this conversation. Your followers are so lovely. I think I'm just going to open it for 24 hours anyway. <laughs> so they'll find it on my profile. <laughs> yes, open, open, open. What's that commercial? Like, open, open. <laughs> and and so there, there are resources um, and some education for folks and just... I'm just really impressed with how thoughtful your followers are. And I, I so appreciate this conversation. Oh, good, good. And I want to also just uh, make a shout out for my membership, my group coaching membership. Next month, we're talking all about how to stop seeking approval. So that's the theme for the whole month. So uh, join us in my group coaching. It's really fun. We have good discussions and kind of dig into like the personal personal stories and, and how to actually implement things. So, um, so join Dr. Julie Hanks membership community. Um, thank you so much, Dr. Jen. And I will be sure to tag you in this video. So it'll, you know, you can share it with your community as well. And thank you again for your great insights on perfectionism and how to stop seeking other people's approval and kind of find that sense of like, I'm okay imperfect me is okay just the way i am you know it's, it's a process for all of us right thank <laughs> all right. you well thanks wonderful again day. bye thanks again, dr jen take good care hi friends have you ever thought of working with me as your personal coach well i have a couple of openings for women in utah or virtually all across the globe and i would love to work with you I'm a licensed therapist, and I've been specializing in women's emotional health and relationships for nearly 30 years, and I've transitioned to doing personal coaching. I love it, and I'm excited to work with you. I help women making career and life decisions, communication training, moving on after children have moved out of the home or after divorce, finding your passion in life, or creating partnership in your marriage and family. I also work a lot with faith transitions and mixed faith marriages. I'm confident that I can help you create the life you love. I can't wait to work with you. And you can use code 150 OFF for $150 off priority coaching with me. Go to drjuliehanks.com coaching or email hello at drjuliehanks.com for more information. Again, that code is 150, so 150 OFF, O-F-F.
Have you ever thought, hey, I want to talk to Dr. Julie Hanks about this question? Well, now's your chance. I want to have you on my podcast. So email hello at drjuliehanks.com with your question and the reason why you want to be on the podcast. And we may just choose you for a free coaching session.